Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me. Okay, maybe more than a few minutes. I know some of you really wish that I kept to the five to seven minute lengths of the episodes and that we're way more than it takes the time it takes to eat a taco. But uh, hopefully, I think most of you like that the episodes are the length of it's determined by how much I need to cover in the topic. And it's just going to be long enough to cover the topic. I promise I'll do my best to keep them short because I know a lot of you, that was the appeal of the episode, but I'm going to take the time it takes to cover the topic. That's just where we've gone to, and I think it's I think it's a better product overall, and you can learn more because I don't have to have two or maybe, I was headed toward three or four episodes on the same topic where you have to eat them in little tiny bite-sized chunks. So let's get into the topic today. Um, I wanted to talk today and do, do the best I can to try to describe histograms and how you use histograms. Um, I think even if you are, feel like you're pretty comfortable using histograms, uh, may, it's probably worth listening to see how, if there's anything new you can, you can derive from this. I'm also looking forward to our discussion in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash photo taco, because we have a lot of really experienced photographers. We have a lot of people who do a great job augmenting the information that I provide in audio on the podcast. Uh, some of them know more about the topic than I do, and uh, and they do a really good job of approaching it. And some of them may be able to explain it differently than I do, too. They may use different words or a different approach to explain it that makes more sense. The way I teach is not necessarily the way everyone's going to learn. So uh, I look forward to the conversation that we, we can have in the Facebook group and uh, maybe have more discussion on the topic and get more teaching going on out there in the Facebook group. If you haven't joined, go jo go do it. It's, it's a really fabulous way. And we have a lot of conversation about our podcast out there. We have lots of questions too. I love to get suggestions for the show. So go ahead and do that. But all right, histograms. What are they? Okay, so... As I was prepping for the, the podcast today, I wanted to go and find out a lot more about like the actual scales that are being used inside the histogram in your camera, in Lightroom, and was researching it. And I was going to go through this really probably would have been painful <laughs> explanation about histograms using M&Ms and how the when you spill a bag out and what's the distribution and visually represent it and a whole bunch of detail there. That's really mathematical and but then I thought, you know, this doesn't really, it would probably take me 20 minutes to go through it. And it doesn't really materially change, like, how it is you use the histogram. You probably don't have to understand the full detail about what it is. It is a very simple, it's, it's not something unique to photography, first of all. And I'm going to skip the really detailed explanation of it and just go really simple. Or I'm going to, I hope it's going to be really simple. It's, it's not unique to photography. It's used in other disciplines too. There's other ways people use histograms. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a mathematical thing. It's, it's a way to visually represent some numbers and make it so that you can try to make sense of a whole bunch of numbers on a particular topic. In photography, the way we usually, we mostly use histograms is to understand how dark darks are and how bright brights are as we take a photo. That's the purpose of it in camera at least. It's also mostly the purpose in post-processing software like Lightroom or Photoshop, but it can be a little bit different there too. But that's usually what it is. How dark is the dark? 
and how bright is the brights? How dark is the very darkest part of the picture? How bright is the very brightest part of the picture? So the left side of the histogram is how dark the darkest part is. And the right side is how bright the brightest part is. And so your goal when you're shooting is to try to get your picture to provide data where everything is kind of in between those two lines. Meaning you don't want to have a whole bunch of the information. You don't want that graph that you see on your, if you're in live view or if you're in a preview of your, of your photo, you don't want that graph to have everything kind of on the left-hand side of the picture. You don't want to have like the left side and the information, the, the little lines of the graph only go kind of halfway across the histogram. That would be a scene that is underexposed and too dark. You also don't want to have it all on the right side of the histogram. You don't want to have it right up everything against the right hand side and kind of from the half to the right. You want to try to get it as much between those two lines as possible. And it doesn't matter really the height, just that it hits the walls on both sides. You want it to just probably barely touch the left wall and barely touch the right wall. That is a scene that is pretty properly exposed and probably is going to give you the best chance of getting being able to use the sliders or adjustments inside your post-processing software to get to the photo you were hoping to get. All right, so that's kind of the very small, easy, simple explanation I could come up with as we were doing it. But let's, let's go into a kind of a better example. I think if I talk through a photo, taking a picture, one that's challenging to get a good exposure on, it will make even a little bit more sense. We'll, we'll see if it does. Now, it, the histogram, the way to get it on your camera is two ways that, on most cameras. There's two ways to do it. One is in live view, and that's the mode where you're not looking through the little eyepiece that's, that's called a viewfinder usually. You're not looking through that. Um, you're looking, you push the button on your camera so that the LCD screen is showing you in live real time what your camera is going to take a picture of. You may not be used to using that, but it can really help you get a good jump on getting a good exposure for your scene. And the example I want to walk through would be a sunrise. It's because that can be really, really challenging to get a good exposure. It happens fast. The light in your scene changes really fast. And it can be a hard to nail the exposure. You either are going to have it be overexposed, it's way too bright, or underexposed, way too dark unless you're really kind of looking at the histogram. That's at least the way I've been able to make sure I get much closer to the shot I want. It's either that or I do bracketing so that I get three chances of getting the right exposure, <laughs> which is a fair approach. That's not a bad idea to do bracketing. And then you can you know, pick the exposure that kind of works the best for your shot. It's kind of a safe route. It's a safety net that I've been using as I take photos to get to get three shots and choose the the one that I like the best. But let's say let's let's pretend you can't you don't have that option. And think about the scene that you're trying to capture, right? Remember, the histogram is the darkest of the darks and to the to the brightest of the brights and everything in between, then kind of how it maps on how how bright and dark the different parts of the scene are. And it's, it's kind of creating a bar chart, a little graph about all of those. Okay, so when you have a sunrise coming, 
you have this super bright thing that's about to come into the picture. And yet right now, before it happens, maybe even 10 or 15 minutes before it happens, you have a fairly dark scene in front of you. Now, it's not totally dark. It's, it's probably even bright enough that you can get good focus and be able to get a picture. You may have some clouds that are already kind of bright uh, 10 or 15 minutes before the sun comes over the horizon. But it's still, compared to when that sun actually peaks over, it's dark. That scene is, is much darker than it is. So how could you get ready? And I think talking about that can, can help you to understand kind of how the histogram works and what you want to do. Let's say that you, uh, you've already spent the time to get the perfect combination. You found this excellent spot to go capture the sunrise. It's an epic location where the sun's going to be in a rule of thirds <laughs> place and, and it's beautiful. You're all ready to go. You got your camera on a tripod so that you can have whatever shutter speed you want. You set your aperture, locked it into like the sweet spot of the lens. You are ready to rock this sunrise photo. And maybe it's, uh, let's say it's a half hour before sunrise. And the, the sky is just, a, it's, it's blue. It's not black anymore. It's kind of looking bluish. You have some clouds that are have a little bit of brightness to them now. But you want to get ready for when that sun's coming out. You want to get ready so that when the sun peaks over the horizon, that extreme brightness that's about to enter the scene isn't going to just blow out your shot. And there's a good time to pause for a second and talk about blowing out. Photographers love to use words that they don't fully explain. And that's what blow, what blowing out means is you lose detail, which is another thing that's kind of ambiguous that people won't understand all the time. We lose detail. Uh, let's take a step away from the scene of our sunset that's about to happen. And let's go instead to, I want to take a picture of, let's say it's a flash, okay? I, even if you don't do flash photography, I think you'll understand this example. You're going to take a picture of the flash going off. And uh, of course, you, you need to get an exposure so that the flash going off doesn't make the whole picture white, right? You, that would be the goal is I don't want to have the whole picture be white, which could happen if it is severely overexposed. If you had your flash go off and your exposure was set for like a second, uh, that's going to overexpose the scene and you'll probably get a whole white an entirely white picture if it's if the flash is going right into your camera. And let's say you even put a blue gel on this flash. A gel is just a, a covering that is kind of translucent, transparent, but it has a tinting to it so that the white the light doesn't come out white anymore from the flash. It comes out and that plastic cover has turned it to a blue. And um, if you are overexposed, even though that light was coming out blue, it's still going to look white because you've lost all the detail. You've blown out the detail. It is, you can't tell that that gel is even on there. Not only that is it not the right color, it's not blue, but it's also, uh, you can't see any edges to like the flash itself. You can't see that there was uh, plastic over the top of the lens. You can't see the flash at all. All of the detail of the picture got blown out and is gone. And if you looked at the histogram that came from that, what you'll see is everything jammed up against the right-hand side of the histogram. 
probably so much that it's it's not even from half of the histogram over to the right. It's probably a quarter on the histogram over to the right. And there's just this sharp spike on the right-hand side because that's all there is is a bunch of white, a bunch of really, really bright, no detail, no color. It's just blown out. That's what that means. And that's how a histogram can help you to make sure that doesn't happen. Now you can look at the histogram and you can change your settings saying, well, that shutter speed needs to go up because it's way too bright. I need to drive my histogram to the left by increasing the shutter speed, making the shutter go faster, or by uh, lowering the aperture, um, stopping down the aperture, which is raising the number since it's an inverse relationship there. Uh, and try to get the histogram to fill out more. Get it to reach over towards the left-hand side. And as you do that, then you'll start to get to the point where you have detail, where you can see maybe the edges of the flash, where you can see blue light coming out of the flash. And that's now where you've got a more properly exposed picture. You may not get all the way to even going to the left, uh, touching the left-hand side before you get to where you'd want your photo. And that's totally up to what you're taking about whether or not your photo should actually have the right and left touching. It may not. You may decide you don't want to have the two sides touching because you're getting the creative effect without them touching. But that's how the, the histogram can kind of work. Now let's go back to our sunrise scene. How Think in your head right now about how it is you would want to set your histogram so that when that sun comes up, you're ready to have a, a picture that hopefully you have the left hand and the right hand just touching on the histogram. How would you try to do that? Just think through what would I want the histogram to look like? Because if you can nail that, if you can predict what I'm going to say on how that should be, then you understand histograms now and you understand what it is you want to do. Okay, pause the podcast if you want. I'm going to say it in just a second here. All right. Here we go. Here's what you would want. If it were me, I'd want to set the histogram so that it is on the left, slightly. Um, you're, you'd have to play around. It's going to be different per camera on how much to the left it should be. But I don't want it touching the right for sure. I do not because I'm about to introduce a bunch of bright light and that's going to take it to the right by itself without even changing any settings on the camera. As soon as that sun pokes out, it's going to take the histogram to the right and it's going to move everything to the right. Probably not as much on the, on the, all the left hand side is not going to change significantly as much as it is on the right hand side. That has to do with the histogram is actually a logarithmic scale. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. But it, it means that when something moves on the right, it doesn't necessarily affect that much on the left. Not necessarily, it can, but it doesn't necessarily. And in this case, it wouldn't. Your histogram is gonna fill out a lot on the right and the left might move a bit, might move a little, but it might maybe not be that much. So for me and my Canon camera, I'd probably want to give it about two stops of light, which is probably about 25% of the right-hand side. So I'd want it touching the left, and I'd want it to go from the left over 75% of the way across the histogram so that 25% of the histogram on the right, that quarter of it on the right, has nothing. It, the histogram doesn't falls short of the right-hand side by 25%. Then when the sun comes out, 
bam, it fills in probably close to that or maybe even a little more, that right-hand side. The left-hand side might move some, but I have probably a decent chance of having the shot there. Or I'm at least really close so that if when that sun pokes through and my histogram changes and I'm still not happy, it didn't either, either it didn't reach the right-hand side or I want it to go just a little bit more to the right, then I'm only probably one, sh one click away on my camera of changing that shutter speed so that it fills in the histogram like I want. And that doesn't take very long. That's only a second or two to see that and change it and then take your pictures and start shooting and, uh, and make sure that you get lots of chances at it. And you may even want to get a few. You may want to take bracketing, of course, would be a good way to turn that on, but you may want to take one and then say, okay, I, I think I have a fairly safe picture, but I want to, I want to go even more to the right on the histogram. Um, to see if I can recover in post-processing, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but recover that histogram to a more normal level and get a better quality image. And the reason I'm saying that is just the way the technology works. You can go look up the Photo Taco episode on Exposed to the Right to see get more information about it. But you're, the way the technology works, the way the sensors work in the cameras, most of them... Uh, they they really do a better job on the brighter parts of a picture than they do on the darker parts. Now, some of them that have an, a characteristic called ISO invariance, it might not be quite as big of an impact. It probably has much less impact on those types of cameras than it does on those that are not ISO invariant. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. <laughs> but in general, it's probably safer you have probably, you'll end up with a better quality image if your histogram is more to the right than to the left. Now, not so much that you have a whole stop even, or I'm sorry, two stops of light. You probably don't want to take all of your photos so that like the left 25% of the histogram is empty, is blank, that it never reaches the left. No, 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 that's not the goal. But you, you definitely want to have the histogram shifted towards the right because of how the technology works. It just does a better job of capturing brighter things than it does darker things. And you can always, so meaning that in post, it's easier to darken things than it is to brighten things. And I'm sure you've seen that as you've been doing your post-processing. It's a lot easier to get good quality information by darkening things a little bit than it is by brightening things. All right, so, so that's kind of a basic thing. Hopefully you were able to predict, based on my explanation, where it's gonna be and what that histogram's telling you. But that, that's really the goal. That's, I, I think that's, that's in camera, that's what you wanna do. You wanna try to get, again, the left-hand side and the right-hand side. You wanna try to make the graph touch both edges if you can. And if you're gonna make a mistake, if you're gonna go too far away from one edge, Go away from the left edge, the dark side, and go towards the right. Now, here's another chance you have to try to see if you understand how to use histograms. What do you do? How would you change the settings on your camera in order to get further to the right on the histogram? Okay, think about it. I have a histogram there with a bunch of lines, and I want to try to get it so that the lines are steeper on the right-hand side and touching the right-hand side of the histogram than the left. What settings can I change in the camera to make that happen? Okay, you can pause and then think about it. And I'm going to say the answer now. <laughs> okay, so the thing that you can do, and I, I said it before, so it's probably pretty trivial to guess the answer. Shutter speed, 
changing the shutter speed so that it allows more light in will change it so that you can get more, um, get the histogram more to the right. So lowering the shutter speed, making it go slower would be one way. You could change your aperture by opening up the aperture, which is going lower on the number on the aperture. You could um, increase the ISO. You could take it up and go to the right, and that'll, that'll shift the histogram to the right. All of those things, letting more light in is what you'd have to do to make the histogram further to the right. And of course, letting having less light go in would shift it to the left. And the goal is to try to get it kind of, you don't have to get it right in the middle in between. Again, I say, I, for most cameras, getting it slightly to the right is gonna produce better images. When you go post-processing, you might have to lower the exposure or reduce the highlights. But that's that's kind of that's going to be the best place to be when you're taking the photo. Okay, one other, a couple of other things to talk about in camera, and then we'll go on to post processing. One of them is you're going to have to see on your camera. You might have to consult the user manual on how to get the the histogram to even be displayed. Um, there's usually in live view you can do it. I hit the info button on my camera to get it there. Um, the other thing in light, well, and then the other one is preview. When you, I hit the play button on my Canon camera and I can look at the image that I just took, scroll through them even. And if you hit info while you're looking at the pictures, usually you can get to a point where you see a histogram too. The other thing then that I personally go and change, you can change on at least the Canon cameras, it calls it two different types of histograms that you can have. One is brightness and one is RGB. And it can be a little confusing. You might think RGB is like not brightness then. Since the other setting is brightness, then RGB might be how much color is in the scene. That's not true. They're both dealing with brightness. The difference though is when you have RGB, it's showing the brightness of the reds, the brightness of the blues, and the brightness of the greens. And I choose that one because I want to have information about which channel I'm cutting. Which of those three colors am I clipping? So let's go to the sunrise picture again, right? You're gonna have more reddish, orangish tones in your photo than you are the blue and the green, right? That's how sunrises look usually. They have a lot more reddish tones in them. And if so, so if you're looking at the lumen, the red channel in the RGB graph, that's the one that's probably gonna go off the right-hand side first. The blue and the green may still be not touching the right-hand side, and the red could be touching and even off the right-hand side, really kind of all the way to the top and, and starting to get narrower in the graph. So I like having that information because I can decide based on what I'm shooting and what, what I'm comfortable clipping, what I'm comfortable having kind of be maybe blown out a little bit, going off the right-hand side of that graph. And, or, or I may, in that sunrise photo, I wanna to try to make that that's the red is what I just want to touch the right-hand side. And I don't care as much about what the, either the blue or the green is doing, I just want the red touching the right-hand side. So I like to have the RGB version of the histogram up there but you can decide which one's more valuable to you. The brightness is kind of more like merging the three together. And you, so you can still kind of tell when the reds hit the, the right-hand side because the, the brightness one will still show it there. 
But um, you may be electing to say, eh, this scene, I don't care if the red goes completely off. I care about the blue and the green, not in the case of the sunrise. But you may have a, a scene where that's the case. You don't care if the blue is clipping. A good example of that might be the uh, a portrait. If you have a blue sky in the background of the person, you don't really care as much if the blue is clipping because it's a bright sky. You're way more worried about having the face of the person be exposed and there's not as much blue that has is in the face of a person. So that would be a good example where you're fine with other channels, the blue channel being clipped, and you but you care a lot more about the red and the green not being clipped. So there you go. That's that's an example of one of the things to do there. Okay, I think that's about all I had to say about in-camera histograms. Hopefully you kind of have a, a better understanding of what they are and how they work. Let's talk about post-processing then. Now, and I'm going to use Lightroom as an example, but most of the post-processing software uh, has a very similar kind of feel and view because histograms are kind of uh, standard or it's, it's a, you, you can't mess up a histogram. You can't really represent it in a massively different way. It's a, it's very, very common between them. So in, in Lightroom, the place that you see it primarily is in the develop module. The library module also shows it, but you can't really change all that much in Lightroom, uh, in the library module. So you, you go into the develop module and up in the right upper right hand corner, there's a histogram panel. And most of the time, I, I personally just leave it open all the time, constantly. And the thing that I wanted to point out was that it's it's in Lightroom, it is split into one, two, three, four, five different segments your histogram is. You have on the far left is blacks, and then you go over to shadows, and then you go over to exposure, and then you have highlights, and then you have whites. Okay, so there's those different sections, and if you mouse over them in Lightroom, and, and you can actually change sliders just right there if you want to. If you know what part of the graph, the part of the histogram you want to affect, you can do it. I prefer to use the sliders myself. I don't really actively participate in the histogram, but, but um, I use the sliders. So I use the exposure sliders and the highlight slider and the shadow slider and, and play around with things. Now, the other thing to notice then is in the upper left, there is a little arrow pointing up. It's just in the upper left of the histogram. And in the upper right of the histogram, there's also a little arrow pointing up. And as you change the sliders, as you change the exposure slider, as you change the highlight slider, the shadow slider, even the others, clarity impacts it, whites and blacks, contrast, they all impact the histogram. Because you're telling the computer that you want to interpret the data that you have differently. You want it to change how stuff looks, how the darkest darks are and how the brightest brights are. And those sliders, some of them target areas of the histogram that you're editing. So the shadow slider, for example, targets the shadows portion of the histogram. And if you take it up, it's brightening those shadows the dark pixels the pixels in the in the scene and it's not just the left part of the picture it's the whole picture it's going to find the computer's going to find every pixel in the picture that qualifies as being kind of in that shadow range of the histogram it's not fully black it's not fully dark it's the shadow parts 
And when you change the slider, it's going to, if you take it to the right, it's going to increase the brightness of those pixels. And if you take it to the left, it's going to darken those pixels. Same with the highlights. There's that highlights portion of the histogram. And the computer is going to search through the photo, find all the pixels that are falling within that range. And it's as you move it to the right, it's going to brighten all of those pixels. And as you move it to the left, it's going to darken all of those pixels. So when you get your histogram initially out of your camera, if you shot to the right, if you pushed it a little bit over towards the right and it's not quite touching on the left, you have different sliders to try to change that. You can use the exposure slider, which is going to change the exposure area of the histogram and generally kind of more all-encompassing exposure changes. It's going to be a, a very broad, a huge amount of the pixels are going to change when you touch the exposure slider. Um, and then, and, and it will, you can do that. You can take it to the left and it will move that histogram towards the left, or you could take the highlights and move it to the left. And that's probably not going to do all that much, but if you take the blacks or the shadows and move it to the left, it's also going to change that histogram so that it's going to the left. And that's a lot easier adjustment to make than it is to take it to the right. <laughs> the blacks and the shadows, well, the shot, or sorry, the shadows in particular, when you take it to the right, if you have a very a severely underexposed scene, the shadows and exposure, if you use those and take it to the right, like all the way, the picture just doesn't look good. You can see a lot of more, more information, but it doesn't look good. And there's going to be a whole bunch of information that doesn't change. So it, it's a good opportunity to talk again about blown out or clipped. If in camera you shot it so far, let's, let's use the underexposed because it's hardest to recover from that. If you shot it so far to the left, the histogram so far to the left, that it only is, let's say, on the left half of the histogram, the right half is totally empty on, in camera, if you came into Lightroom and you used the exposure slider and you slid it all the way to the right, first of all, it still may not get all the way over to the right-hand side of the histogram. But even worse, there's going to be parts of the scene that still are entirely black. And that's because the exposure settings you used in the camera captured no information. You clipped so much that there's no information there. It is just black, black, black. And it doesn't matter how much you change the exposure, it's still black. <laughs> it may start turning to a light gray. It may start turning uh, to a brighter black. But you're not going to actually see, um, suddenly see the detail of the mountains. Because it's all black. It's, it's all gone. You clipped off the information. And it was too severely underexposed to recover it. So that's... That's kind of how that works. Now, let's histogram. Some people, I've, I think I've, I've read, definitely have read, and heard people say, well, what's the perfect histogram? How should it be? Should it be this nice little uh, bell curve where on the left-hand side is kind of down towards the bottom, and as it comes towards the right, it starts rising up and it peaks in the middle of the histogram and then nice low side down and, and touches the right-hand side barely. Yeah, that would be a nice histogram, but not because of the makeup of the middle. It's a nice histogram because it it just touched the left and it just touched the right. Really, what's in between doesn't matter as much because that's going to change significantly based on the different colors and the different brightness of the elements in the scene. 
to make you understand that a little better, let's use the example of the Milky Way. All right, you're going to go shoot the Milky Way. And think about how much of that shot is going to be black, black, black. Or you want it to be black, 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 right? You want your exposure where you're not going to have hopefully a whole bunch of noise in those, those areas because they're black. You only want the stars to be bright and white. And the way a histogram works, the top part of the graph, and we haven't talked about the height, that doesn't represent clipping or blowing out or anything like that. What it represents is how much of your photo falls into that type of light in your scene. And in the case of a Milky Way shot, a huge portion of your photo is black, is dark. And so the left-hand side of your histogram is going to be tall, really, really tall on the graph. It's gonna be, it's gonna set the height of the graph. And then the parts of the picture that are bright, there's so little of it, it's barely gonna show up at all. And it won't matter what you do, that's how a Milky Way galaxy is gonna look. I guess if you, if you take a 30 minute photo, yeah, you're gonna see more than that. And it's the histogram's gonna look closer to touching left and right. But it's also going to look terrible. It's not going to look at all like a Milky Way shot because you've overexposed that black part of it. And it's not going to have a lot of detail. It's going to still look like this empty sky. But um, but you, you would get to what some people would say is a more normal histogram. That's not the histogram you want with a very dark scene like a Milky Way shot. It's going to be on the left. It's going to always be on the left. And a histogram really actually doesn't help you at all with the Milky Way shot. Um, that's not a good, reliable thing. Neither is an LCD screen. That's why it's so challenging to capture the Milky Way. That's one of the reasons. There's also the time it takes to be out there and dealing with bugs. And <laughs> there's so many challenges with Milky Way shots. That your histogram is just another one of those. It's not going to help you. All right. So, so when you're post-processing... It's not that you necessarily need to strive for a histogram that has really even lines where there's not a, a, a huge peak in it. It's not where you need to try to get the peak in the middle. It's just trying to get it so that it touches the left and touches the right. And then from there, once you get that, then you can go use some of the other things like HSL panel and try to change the luminosity of the colors or the saturation of the colors and get them to change but then it's more of a visual thing it's not really the histogram the the really the it's touch the left touch the right and those little arrows that we talked about just a bit ago the little arrow in the upper left the little arrow in the upper right that shows you what's being clipped okay and so on the left it would be something some areas of the photo now have become so dark they're pure black there is no information in there. There's no distinction between any, you know, in, in those pixels at all. And it's a certain number of pixels together that really kind of Lightroom keys into. Because, of course, there's going to be some areas that are complete black. You want that. There is complete black in your scene. That's fine. But it's when you've, especially as you're shifting things, as you're moving a slider and something that wasn't pure black before now has turned pure black, that means your adjustments have now clipped that color. And now what wasn't pure black is, and it's just a way for you to be able to sit. Lightroom's just saying, hey, I, I can show you the places where because you changed the slider, it's now gone pure black. 
And so you can go and either float over your mouse cursor over the top of that upper left arrow in the histogram. And then you will see on the photo, it'll Lightroom will highlight where the blacks are clipping. In my current settings, I have it set to use blue coloring to represent that. So wherever it's clipped, I see uh, blue on the photo of the part that's clipped. And I'm perfectly fine with some of it being there because it was black in the scene or it was dark in the scene and I want it to stay dark. I don't want to try to force it to be lighter because it was dark and I'm okay with that. I'm trying to get into the natural setting, but you're going to have to decide what you're, what you're comfortable with. Uh, a common one that you might see would be you push the darks to the point where there's some clipping in the very middle of someone's eye, right? The, the pupil there that's black and you're okay probably with having the pupil be black, but you don't want the iris. You don't want the other part of the eye to be be turning black. You want it to, to be have detail. So you might be okay with the very center, the very middle of it being black and even being clipped to pure black, but you don't want other, other things to see it. Or in a landscape photo, you might be okay with some of the shadows in the photo being fully black because that's kind of how it looked. And that may be what you're going for or, or ominous kind of feel or, you know, however you want to have it be. But at least it's a way to get some information about what you have clipped in post-processing. And you can change it, of course, in post-processing. If you took a slider too far, it's one of the beautiful things about Lightroom. It's non-destructive. You can get back. You just move the slider back and you can get it back to exactly where it was. Um, Right-hand side, same, same thing. You can float over it. And that's, of course, clipping because it turned pure white. There's no, it's not a off white color at all anymore. It's pure white. And it's the same sort of thing. If you want to adjust it, there might be parts of a scene in that sunrise photo. Yeah. The sun, you're probably okay with it looking pure white because it's really, really, really bright. And that's probably how it looked. Uh, you might even be okay with parts of the clouds being pure white because they, reflected a lot of that sun and they went pure white in the scene too but you may not want a uh, hillside on a mountain that's snowy to be pure white because then it looks weird it looks doesn't look like snow anymore snow still has detail even though snow is white it still has detail there's still edges there's still footprints there's still things that are uh, and and even just the surface of it it's not truly pure white if you go down and look at it um, and having the detail there is is important even if you're not close up it's not pure white when the snow so you don't want to clip it probably but it's totally up to how you want to process the photo and the histogram is just a tool to tell you what's going on in the photo it's generally best to try to have it touching the left and touching the right in fact i like to get my photos so that i'm clipping slightly on the left and clipping slightly on the right and depending on what i'm going for i may even want clipping to happen a lot more on the right or the left just totally depending on the photo if i'm trying to get for example a blown out white background on a portrait shot i want a whole bunch of clipping to the right on the background i want that whole background to be clipped to pure white and then the person to not have any clipping at all that would be the goal but it just depends on what you're shooting and how it's working all right so there you go that's my attempt at trying to explain a histogram and how it works 
just to review slightly, and if you're done, you're, you can be done, hit stop or move to the next podcast, but I like to try to review and cement in the, the concept of what we just talked about. Histogram is showing you the darkest of darks to the brightest of brights, and you want to try to get it so that your shot has an exposure where the left that's just touching the left and it's just touching the right. But if you're gonna make a mistake, if you're gonna get it so it's not perfect in between those two things, it's better to have it shifted to the right more than to the left. It's your images end up higher quality and looking sharper and with less noise if it's a little bit too bright than a little bit too dark. And the histogram is the way to evaluate that. Not the LCD screen on your, on your uh, camera, um, not how it looks on your monitor, but the histogram is the way to make sure that you have that truly right. Get it right in camera, show it in camera, and then when you're using Lightroom, as you're setting your sliders, be very mindful of the histogram so that it looks good across lots of different monitors and everything as you uh, export the image and, and put it out there. All right, there we go. There's the podcast for today. A little bit longer, but hopefully well worth it to understand the histogram and uh, kind of go through how it is I use it in my workflow. It's really an important part of the tool for me. And I hope that uh, this helps you understand how to use it a little better in your photography. Um, I have to mention the mothership <laughs> really quickly. Uh, Improvephotography.com. Jim has really made some changes over the last couple of weeks. Um, as you're listening to this, if you're um, listening to it as a regular subscriber in, in April, uh, he's, he made a couple of weeks ago, April 2016. He made this. Uh, if you are listening to this well past that, then you need to check it out anyway. But he's hired a bunch of uh, columnists lately, and they're putting out content every single day now. Uh, wasn't doing that as much a, a few months ago, but every day there's brand new content out on improvephotography.com. And there's lots of topics. These columnists are not all talking about the same thing. They are on different topics, varied things. You are going to be interested in something every week, I guarantee. So you need to make sure you're checking that out all very routinely. Probably the first thing you should do every morning is head over to improvephotography.com and check out what we've got going on that day over there and see if you want to dive in further. All right, there we go. Hope you enjoyed the episode. So glad you listened. Love for you to have you share and subscribe. And we'll see you again next week. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!